Thank you for joining us here at Fellowship Church for today's message. Our desire is to encourage others to love God, love people, and impact the world. And we would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at fellowshipws.org. Find the Share Your Story button and tell us what God is doing in your life. While you're there, you'll also find useful information about our church and other resources that will bring you closer to Christ. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. How many know that family is important to God? I believe that family is so important that he let Jesus be born into a family. He was born of a mother and had an earthly father, even had a brother. So tell somebody, family is important. And I'm going to show you today, our series is entitled, A Fight for the Family. Tell somebody, we're in a fight. How many know the people that you love the most can cause you the most grief? You see, you have to understand, in order to wound you, see, I can shoot you from afar. But in order to cut you, I've got to be close. I can't slice you. I can't cut you unless I'm close. And so many times the devil uses those who are closest to us, who knows our strengths, who knows our weaknesses, who knows our frailties, as a device to wound us. The Bible even said that Jesus was wounded in the house of what? Of his friends, those who were closest to him. And so the devil, you know, and the devil's smart. I wouldn't use some stranger. I use somebody who, who, who you put your trust in. The one that you let your armor down. The one who sees you in your most frail moments. I would use them to hurt you. Because that way you won't trust in the institution of unity and strength and love. Because he knows that love covers a multitude of sin. And so we're going to talk about today, there's some strategies that the enemy uses and what God's plan is for the family. Let's pray. Can we hold hand? Everybody can stand. We're going to read scripture. I'm sweating like a pig at the county fair, and that's okay. Good to sweat for something. I want us to be in this mode of unity over the next couple of weeks. Because the word of God says in Psalm 133, at the end of the scripture, he says where he finds unity, there, that's not a place, it's a state. Where God's find unity, unity is, unity is not a place on the map, is a state of being. And where God finds unity, there he commands a blessing. So during these five weeks, we love to think about my four no more and all that stuff, but tell somebody beside you, tell, tell somebody, I am intently praying for you and your family. See, so many times we can be more unified with our brothers and sisters in Christ than we can with our own flesh and blood. And while God has given us the local body to feel, nothing takes place of the people that have the same blood going through their veins. The same DNA. And the devil knows that. And so he comes to bring division. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what we feel in this place. And Lord, we ask you, Lord, 
to shower down your anointing, your revelation, your glory. Thank you, Lord, for the things you're going to share with us today, which exposes your plan for us and our family and exposes the plot of the enemy. Lord, your word says that we're destroyed because of lack of knowledge. So we thank you, Lord, that today, Lord, we will leave this place with more knowledge as it pertains to your desire for us in our family. Lord, we pray right now that the people of God who are about to be hearers of your word already proclaim them to be doers of the word when we leave this place. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that the word goes into the inner crevices of our hearts, God. And it begins to uh, reveal those things that the enemy has been plotting in our lives. Lord, you said your word is the entrance of light, God. So, Lord, illuminate in our lives those areas that the enemy has been attacking, those areas that we haven't done the things that we should not do, so that the enemy can have rulership in our lives. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would turn with me to Genesis 1 and 26. You understand for the reading of this initial word. I want to prove to you that God is in love with family. Tell somebody, God is in love with family. This is proof. And God said, let us make man. God is taking conference with himself. And he said, let us make man after our likeness. And in our image, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So you have to understand, this is after God had created the firmament in the heavens, and he put the fish in the sea. And God said, there is still something missing. There is something that does not look like me in the earth. Tell somebody, God desired a family. So he took counsel with himself, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. They took counsel with each other. They said, let us make man in our image. How many you know when you have children, they're made in your image? And they don't look like it, they act like it. <laughs> Tell somebody, in my image. In my image. That's the reason some of y'all can't get along because you act just alike. That's about he telling the truth. Act just alike. That's when you can't get along. Oil and water, just clanging. But we were made in God's likeness and image because the word of God says that we are his offspring. Meaning that we are literally God's family. Tell somebody you're in God's family. Turn, turn with me to Ephesians, the first chapter. It says this, the third verse, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as he has chosen us, tell somebody he chose us, in him before the foundation, before you were a gleam in your mother and father's eye, before your mama got pregnant and before she got, she got morning sickness, you were chosen to be in the family of God before the first brick was laid in this earth. Tell somebody, I've been in this family. And it says this, that we should be holy and without blame before him. Having predestinated, meaning that he already wrote the script. It was a predestinated outcome. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. 
by Jesus Christ himself. I want to put a pen right there, and I just want to just, just exegete this just for a second. You have to understand, when God created Adam and Eve in his likeness, we were in, we were in strict communion with God. God was speaking. We were here. In the cool of the day, Adam would go out and would be communing with God. But because of sin and Adam's disobedience, there was a chasm between us and God. We were no longer his children. But it was through the efficacious blood of Jesus Christ that when we accepted him, tell somebody it was predestinated. It was preordained that we be in his family. But because of Adam's sin, we inherited that we, were, we inherited that we will be born in sin and in shape with iniquity. So we were born out of fellowship with the Father. But it's, somebody say, thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Because he went to the cross. He shed his blood. He, he went into the earth for three days and he arose with all power in his hand. And he said, you can't touch me yet because I've got to go up to the mercy seat and I've got to sprinkle my blood as a final atonement so that anybody who would accept and follow me would then be adopted back into the family. Understand, just like natural adoption, whenever a parent adopts a child, they have the same, they have the, if even if they have uh, children by birth, they have the same rights and privileges to inherit, to get everything that the mother and father has. They legally have the right to get everything that belongs to the father. Tell somebody, I've been adopted. So many times, this, this society likes to put that if you've been adopted, that's, that's a point of shame that your mother and father didn't want you. That whatever the circumstance, whether mama was a teenage mother or whether mama was a crackhead or whatever like this, they gave you up. And so people like to have a spirit of woe is me and a spirit of rejection. No, I've been adopted. I was born in sin. I was sick with a nigga. But thank God for Jesus. That he made a way so that I could be adopted. I can be grafted in to the blessing of the kingdom of God. And it says this, and I'll let you sit down. It says, according to the good pleasure of his will. It's God's will. Tell somebody beside you, it's God's will. That you accept the full adoption into the family it's the good pleasure of God's will it's more than just God's will y'all gotta, gotta read the Bible you can't just read it it is the good pleasure of his will that means that there was some extra it's some extra pleasure when you accept <laughs> Ooh, this is delivering somebody right now because some of you are thinking you have not been worthy enough with my scarred past and with all the children I've had out of wedlock and with all the beds I've hopped in and out of and all the drugs I've taken that I'm not a full participant in the blessing of the Lord the devil is a liar you are a fully adopted child of God with every right and privilege in the kingdom of God somebody get God a praise That's why we were singing, I belong to him. Tell somebody, I've been adopted. I've been adopted into the family.
you slave. But I call you friend. You are a friend of God. If I stay here, and I've already preached. But you are a bona fide son and daughter of the family of God. You may be seated, but touch somebody, tell somebody, welcome to the family. Family is God's priority. If you keep playing, brother, I appreciate you. Family is God's priority. I want you to write that down. Family is God's priority. Thank you, brother. I need to get something in before I have a crown. <laughs> Tell somebody, family is God's priority. We're going to move quickly. Why does God love family so much? He loves family so much because it is a reflection of his love for us. Genesis 1.26, he said, let us make man in our image. Anytime you create something that is an image of you, it is literally a reflection of the initial thing. God is the initial source and power. It tells somebody we are his reflection. And then when we have healthy family relationships, we amplify God's plan for the earth. I want you to write this down. Family is God's vehicle to convey blessings, favor, and inheritance into the future. You can write it down. You can snap it on your phone. I don't care. Family is God's vehicle to convey blessings, to convey favor, and to convey an inheritance into the future. I'm going to show you proof of it. My father, who just came in here, he has a will He's, he's, you know, he ain't going to wait till to, to he's dead and everybody be mad at him. He let us know who getting what now. <laughs> so he said, if you're going to be mad with me, get mad with me now. <laughs> Amen. But by virtue of us simply being born of him and my mother, we have connection. And I don't know my dad like to say, hey, daughter, how you doing? But let the day come when it's time for stuff to get, invade, get conveyed. You can scoot yourself in in the chair when the, when the lawyer's reading it all you want to. Me and my three siblings going to look at you like, what in the world are you doing here? <laughs> oh, well, overseer used to call me daughter. I, I love you. God bless you, daughter. But you need to get on up out of here because you you're not, a, you're not a, 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 a rightful heir to what belongs to my father. I love you. I might give you a little bit, but you ain't going to be an initial handing out. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but I'm speaking of proximity and connection. Somebody say connection. Yes. Connection to the Father via family is a way that God conveys blessings. He conveys favor. 
and he conveys inheritance into the future. If you notice, God, one of God's names, he's known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are three generations of people who were connected via family. He was not known as the God of Paul, Lazarus, and Naomi. He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Meaning this, y'all, that God is a God of family. So if I were the devil, what would I attack you at? In your family. Because if I mess up the dynamic, I mess up the ability for blessings, for favor, and for inheritance to be conveyed. See, the blessing of Abraham was given to Isaac. And then the blessing they fell on Isaac was then given to Jacob. And so I want us to explore a little bit today what God's desire is for our family. But how many know, just like he told uh, Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. Guess what? If, the, if God has plans for you, so does Satan. I call it this. I call it the converse kingdom of Satan. Converse means opposite. That whatever God has planned for you, you best believe that the devil has a phony, counterfeit, opposite plan for your life. Tell somebody, that's the truth. If God desires you to live a, a life of peace, the devil has a plan. You can, put, you can bet your bottom dollar that he has a plan for strife for your life. If God has a plan for prosperity, the enemy has a plan for lack and poverty for your life. And it's dependent upon whose plan your faith aligns with as to the one you're going to eat the fruit of. But tell somebody, I choose God today. So let's look at this. Why does Satan hate the family? Can we agree on that for the sake of unity today? Why does Satan, tell somebody, Satan hates the family. He hates it. He hates it. This is the reason he hates it, y'all. A healthy family is a consistent reminder of Satan's defeat and what he lost access to. When you have a healthy dynamic, when there is good communication and good love and everybody's building each other up and everybody's upholding each other and we're helping each other without holding strings over people's head and without putting people over barrels, when we have a healthy dynamic, it is, it is a curse to the enemy. You know why? Because he was once in the family. He was the archangel. He was the one that nobody bowed down to God Jehovah unless he played the music. The word of God said that there, there were pipes and there were harps and there were all kind of instruments inside of Lucifer. And whatever, whatever, he, he, whatever he did, everybody else responded to it. That's the reason it, it is so easy for those of us that lead worship and play instruments for a Luciferian spirit to get on them because we know that there was a certain element of control that we have over the people. 
And so that Luciferian spirit can creep in. Do you feel like don't nothing happen until I sing? Don't nothing happen until I play? Until I hit that note, the people know it ain't about you. God will use a donkey. God will use a child. He'll send a bird in here and say, qua, ka, 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 and it'll be anointed and the glory will fall if he has to. It is a privilege to be a vehicle and an instrument for God to flow through. I don't know how I got there, but somebody needed that. But we, when, when we have a healthy family, we remind the devil of what he's missing out on. Because you have to understand, he was an angel. And angels cannot be redeemed. And so we rub it in his face. When we, when we have a healthy marriage, when we have a healthy relationship between us and our children, when the siblings love each other and there's no jealousy and there's no strife, and I want to see you do good because when you do good, we do good. And it doesn't matter whether it seems like mom favored one or another. It don't matter all that. I love you. It is a picture to the devil and he hates it. I'm going to tell you another reason why he hates it. Because he knows that connections matter. Tell somebody connections matter. Connections matter but unified connections matter more. Let me say that again. Connections matter, but unified connections matter more. What do you mean, Pastor Tony? Sound like you're talking in riddles. You can be connected and not be unified. Can anybody attest to that? You see, you see it in sports all the time. Well, you can be connected to people. We're on the same team. With all the talent in the world. But if they're not unified, all the talent in the world won't matter. Because everybody's pulling in different directions. And the devil knows. You can't help who you're born to. You're always going to be connected. But the devil said, if I can just cause some schisms and some isms. And I can cause you not to be unified. Why? Because Psalm 133 says this. That where God sees unity, he commands blessing to flow. So you got to understand. See, the devil will lower the bar. Say, I, if, I, if I can get you at the lowest common denominator, you know, I would love to pull you back into hell. I would love to have you walk away from God, from God's safety, but I will settle with you never living in peace, you never getting the blessings of the Lord, and you never being able to, for, to, to, to affect change for the kingdom of God. So he says this. He said, I'm going to get and I'm going to cause strife between to be between you and the people that you're most closest connected to and I will cut off the flow of blessing to your life. Can anybody see right now how the devil's been shortchanging you? How the devil's been short-circuiting. He's been cutting off the flow of blessing, of favor, and inheritance in your life. But I am declaring by the end of these five weeks, people of God, we are going to find every area where the devil has been creeping in, where he's been sowing discord, where he's been sowing strife, and we're going to evict him out of the life of our families. 
and I declare on the unctions of the Holy Spirit that blessings, that inheritance, and that favor is about to flow like never before in your life. Not because you have connections, but, the, but because you have unified connections. Tell somebody, I'm looking for unified connections. We're about to be finished. But I want to share something with you. I want to share you the tale of two families. I already mentioned one. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is a family that when Jesus had not come yet, God still desired. That's how much family we are. That he made a workaround until Jesus came. That he asked Abraham to kill his only son, which was a precursor to God being willing to slay his own son. And when he saw that Abraham, first of all, he waited till Abraham got old. Waited till it was impossible. Him and Sarah got old and then God came. Tell somebody God is a God of impossibilities. And then he's going to say, now that thing that you waited for, that thing that was impossible, that allowed to come from your body, I want you to take it up to a mountain and I want you to kill it. I want you to destroy the very thing. And then Abraham, he traveled to the place. And people think that Isaac was some little suckling little baby. No, he was about a teenager, which means he could have ran away. He was faster than his daddy, obviously. And he told, he, he told, he told, told his servant, he said, remain here with the donkeys. Me and my son are going up to worship. Meaning that the first act of worship recorded in the Bible was not when an organ or a harp or a flute was playing. He was saying, I'm going to be obedient. And my obedience that I'm about to do is about to be an act of worship. And he said, me and the lad will return. Now, that's a faith, y'all. Y'all got to understand. Listen to his statement of faith. Me and, my, me and my son, me and the lad are about to go worship, and we shall return. He didn't say, I'm coming back. He said, me and the lad, both of us. He knew that God had See, he, he didn't go up there and then God told him, kill him. God had already gave him the instruction. I want you to go up there and I want you to slay your son. And through the eyes of faith, Abraham already declared that God gave me my family. I'm going with my family to worship and my family is coming back with me. Which meant one or two things. Either God was going to provide a sacrifice or after I slayed Isaac, God was going to bring him back. God, I thank you. Tell somebody that's the kind of faith you got to have. Abraham was about to slay his son. He said, don't harm the lad. There was a substitute over in the bush. Thank you, Jesus. We, we, we were dead in our trespasses. When we were dead in our sin, not fit to live and not ready to die. Jesus said, God, if you let me go down and be a substitute, God, I thank you. Oh, 
I didn't even want to go. I don't want to plan on going that way. But God said he sent Jesus as a substitute for you. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy, for being a substitute. That's the reason we serve him. That's the reason we give him our lives. That's the reason we obey him when it hurts and when it doesn't make sense. Because he was our substitute. He took our place. He bore our sicknesses. He was bruised for our iniquities. <laughs> the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, somebody touch yourself and tell him, we are healed. With his stripes, not your stripes. You might have a couple battle wounds, but with his stripes, we are healed. Back to the story. And so as a result of Abraham's obedience and his willing to sacrifice his only begotten son, y'all see the parallel? But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Abraham was the only begotten son. He was willing to kill his only begotten son. God made a promise between him. Say, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. Say, look at the stars. You can't number them. Look at the grains of sand on the beach. You can't number them. So shall your seed be. I will bless any man that blesses you. I will curse any man that curses you. Everything that your hands is going to touch is going to prosper. Tell somebody, thank you, Lord, for the blessing. we thank him because when we accepted Jesus Jesus Christ we got we gained access to the blessing of Abraham and he passed it along to his son Isaac and Isaac passed it along to Jacob and it went from generation to generation until it got to Jesus and guess what y'all Jesus went to his own and his own received him not but as many as received them he gave power to become the sons of God. Y'all, I'm preaching the gospel. Maybe people don't get excited about the gospel no more. But as many as received them, them he gave power to become the sons of God. He gave us power. Power means I give you the ability. I give you the ability. It's there for you. But if you don't exercise your power to become a son of God, you can live your whole life and never claim your sonship. You can, you can be born of him but not accept the sonship that he has for you. That's one family. Let's contrast that with another family, a well-known family. The family of David. David was the eighth born son of Jesse who was also in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I want to show you, I want to show you a dichotomy right here. David was known as a man who was after God's heart. But David had a seed of rejection inside of him. Because even though he was anointed, his daddy treated the other brothers better. And so while David was skillful and he could make spirits leave, 
he dealt with that demon of rejection. And then that rejection acted out to him being loose and grabbing other people's wives. And guess what he did? He killed another man over Bathsheba. Sent him on the front line. And it was all seated in that rejection. See, the fruit of what you're doing now has a seed that goes way back. And so as a result, Samuel came to him. He told him a story. He said, what would you do if a man came and took another man's flock and his sheep? He said, well, I, I would really be hard on that man. He said, he said, well, King David, thou art the man. And the reason that, G, that, that David went down as a man after God's own heart, because his, he may have been wrong, but as soon as God showed him the error of his ways, he got on his face and he said, God, forgive me. But he said, there has to be a price paid for your sin, David. And even though God forgave him, the price was the child that was born of him in Bathsheba. It died. And David had sackcloth and ashes and he was praying for his son. And his servants were standing and they were saying, you go tell him. No, you go tell him. No, you go tell him. And he perceived that the child was dead. You know what he did? He wiped off the sackcloth and ashes. The word of God said he rose, he ate, and then he went to the temple to worship. And Joe said, the Lord live. As the Lord live, God, God give him, God take him away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What is your response in loss? The loss of a loved one, the loss of relationship, the loss of a job, the loss, loss of a connection that you thought that God was trying to pull away, but you were trying your best. And God said, if I don't separate you, if I don't disconnect you, it's going to derail your future. Are we busy moping over something that God is calling into? The word of God said he, stopped, he rose up, he ate, and he went to worship. And then him and Bathsheba, they had another son. Son name was Solomon. Who was the man of wisdom. There was so much blood on David's hands. God said, I, David, you a man after God's own heart. You were willing to fight Goliath. You were willing to go against all the Philistines. You were my warrior. You were my king. You were the one that brought the, uh, you were the, one that brought the Ark of the Covenant and brought the glory back. But there's too much blood on your hands. I can't use you. You can only go so far just like Moses. You can see it, but you can't go in. I don't know about you, but I want everything that God puts inside of me. I love my children, but God's got a destiny for them. I don't want to leave this earth until I walk out of everything that he put inside of me. And then I want to give my children the inheritance to run with. But then, he get, but then God gives it to Solomon. Say, so I'm going to allow you to build the temple, Solomon. But guess what, y'all? Solomon ended up having the same problem daddy had. 
He likes strange women. At least David was going after the women in the kingdom. But Solomon went out for other strange women and God warned him, don't mix with these other strange people because they're going to cause your heart to be turned away from your God. But he saw, ooh, they look exotic. You see them hips? You see that olive skin they got? You see the eyes they got, that wavy hair? God said the devil would dress something up and look so nice. Come talking right. Come looking right. Come saying the right things. Come saying thus the Lord. And may speak in a tongue. But tell somebody, you better get a discernment. Because the devil is sending strong, strange things. He quote all 66 books, but can't live now one of them. <laughs> I know I said it wrong. Nam one of them. He is a master of deception in disguise. He's not going to come up and say, hey, uh, uh, Y'all seen that uh, the orchid commercial where the ropes come up and knock at the door? I wonder if you let me in. The devil ain't gonna come to your door like that. I come, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm Beelzebub. Would you, would you let me in? I want to derail your future. Would you allow, would you allow me to get around your heart and derail your future? He's gonna come as a wolf in sheep's clothing. But then. Not only, Sol not only Solomon, but he has a son called Absalom. That while he was living, his son was undercutting. Oh, he, he was handsome like his daddy. He could fight just like his daddy. And so after a while, there was a contingent of people. They said, man, you know, your daddy, man, he done had his good days. I mean, why, why don't you go ahead and assume the kingship? How many of the people will push you out there? They will push you out on the limb and saw it off and then talk about you for being on the ground. And so the very thing that when David was running away, when Saul was throwing javelins at him because he was jealous, all of a sudden he got a son that was jealous of him and was trying to undercut the authority of his kingdom. Yet still, David was known as a man after his own heart. He had another son that, 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 that raped his own sister. Why am I saying all this? I wanted to show you the dichotomy of two great men, two patriarchs in the Bible to let you know no matter how saved you are, no matter how sanctified you are, even Abraham was a baby daddy. He didn't want to wait on God, and so he had a baby with Hagar and ended up sending her about her way, put some bread in and put a bread in a sack and sent her alone away. Now today we were called that a deadbeat. What does that let us know? It lets us know that I don't care how saved you are. I'm talking about people, a man who was considered a friend of God. And a man who was known as a person that went down at the, a man at the God's own heart, they still had family dysfunction. Meaning that the devil was after old faithful Abraham. 
and that the devil was after old anointed giant killing and slaying David. Don't you be naive to think that the devil is not after the Johnsons. That he's not after the Smiths. That he's not after the Joneses. That he's not after the Williams family. Tell somebody beside you said, don't sleep on the devil. He's after your family. You have to understand, people of God, I'm just about to finish, that the devil has a converse kingdom. That if he knows that God conveys blessings, inheritance, and favor through lineage, the devil also knows that he can, he can cause curses and strife and lack to be passed the same way. In Genesis 1 and 28, after he said... After he said in 26, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let him have dominion over the, over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and everything that creep up along the earth. In 28, he says, I want you to do two things, Adam and Eve. I want you to first be fruitful and then I want you to multiply. Do you not know that the devil in his converse, opposite antichrist kingdom, he knows that that is a principal command of God. So he says, if God wants you to be fruitful and multiply, I'm going to keep the multiply part, but then I want you to be unfruitful. And I want you to multiply. So your crazy ways, the devil wants it to be passed along to child, to child. In every generation, it multiplies. That's the reason some things we see in our children, it's multiplied. Because it's God's spoken principle. That's why he said, be fruitful first. Because, because you're made in my likeness, in my image, it is within you to multiply. But I first need you to be fruitful. Could it be possible, people of God, in our family connections, that we are focused more on multiplying than being fruitful? To instilling in them the things of God. To picking our battles. Don't fight everything for the sake of being right. That you're going to eat the inheritance of what you multiply. Everybody said One thing I want you to do this week, and we have some slips called a fight for the family prayer request form. And I want everybody, I want everybody, somebody say everybody. everybody. I want everybody. How many, how many of you have a need that you want God to intervene in your family? Everybody's hand and some of your feet ought to be up in the air. I want everybody to get one of these forms. There are going to be a stack here on the altar and there's going to be a stack on, at either of our kiosks. I want you to write down your most earnest prayer request. I don't want to put pressure on you to, to try to write everything down now. If you want to, those of you that know it, you can do that. Some of y'all know, some, how many of y'all know the exact things that you need prayer for? 
we're going to use the power and the force of all of our faith to pray for each other's family. I know you've been praying for your family, but where God sees unity, he commands blessing. At the beginning of Acts, it says, on the day of Pentecost, they were in, all, they were in one place, on one accord. The Holy Spirit coming like a mighty rushing wind and filling everybody who was in that room, it was a response to their unity. Tell somebody beside you, tell them we must be unified. Tell somebody, I'm standing with you regarding your family. Come on, look them in the face. Tell them I'm standing with you regarding your family. So here's what we want to do. Come on up here. As a parent, look at the thing. If it's for your children, look at the thing behind the thing. Um, we had with Kendall and stuff at school and some things that were going on. And it wasn't necessarily, you know, she was acting out, but it was because that confidence, you know, and, and praying for her self-esteem. So if you see some things, don't just look at the thing. Ask God to show you what's that thing, that root behind the thing that could be causing, you know, those issues, whether it's your children or your family. A lot of times we get focused on what's the outward thing, but usually there's a spirit or something attached behind it, the root of it. So I would just ask you just to pray and ask God to show you what's that deeper thing beyond what we can see naturally. Amen. 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 So, so, so we have these forms that we'll allow you to get. And what we're going to do, people of God, we're going to put them on the altar. They're going to be up here the whole five weeks. You don't have to put your name. God sees it. He knows it. When you write it down, it's a prayer within, within itself. But we're going to be meeting out here 6.30 every Tuesday of this month from now until Father's Day. And we're going to be praying. And I believe, see, it's one thing to have it in your mind and say, God, I'm thinking, but it's one thing, the Word of God says to write the vision and make it plain. And it's something about writing something down that makes it a little more real and tangible. Tell somebody, you must write it down. And we're going we're gonna to come together every Tuesday and we're going to pray. We're going we're gonna to bind and we're going to loose. We're going to bind up the things that have been plaguing our families and we're going to loose. We're going to bind up every curse. We're going to bind up every piece of strife. We're going to bind up everything that the devil has sent. We're going to bind up things that have been done of generations gone by. People may be dead and gone, but they may patch with the devil and it's affecting our lives. Spirits of divorce and spirits of strife. Spirits of envy, spirits of perversion, spirits of homosexuality. There are things that people have done. You don't know why your children do what they do, but it is something that has been passed down through family. Children don't like you and you don't, and they don't know why. That's a spirit. And it's got to go. Tell somebody it's got to go. It's got to go. My children were giving me for signs, wonders, and miracles. How in the world are they going to be a sign, wonder, and a miracle if they, if they can't honor their mother and father? The devil is alive. Anything that came from my body is blessed. 
and we're going to take authority over what's ours. And tell somebody, he's got to go. So don't miss a week. I know it may be a sacrifice, but I want you out here. I want it for you that you come out here on Tuesday. We're going we're gonna to start at 6.30. We're going to be done by 7 or 7.10 at the latest because we're also going to have a live Facebook kind of town hall discussion. And so we have to be ready for that at 7.30. So we're not going to waste any time. Those that come, don't come late. But I want everybody here. We're not playing no business. We'll talk about it. We'll hug each other after. But tell somebody, we're about kingdom business for the next five weeks. Anybody going to join us out here in prayer? We're going to chase the devil past hell. And we're going to fight for our families. The devil wants you to take your hands off. He wants you to let go. He wants it because he knows if you let go, the devil's going to have full reign. But the devil is a liar. And we're going to get our families back. Because when we are unified, the blessing is going to begin to flow. The inheritance is going to begin to flow. The favor is about to flow. Where he sees unity, he commands a blessing. Tell somebody beside you, a commanded blessing is coming to your family. Come on, tell them a commanded blessing. Because you're about to get some things straight. We're about to get the devil out of our families. We're going to get the strife out. We're going to get the envy out. We're going to become a healthy family again. The blood of Jesus is stronger than strife. The blood of Jesus is stronger than envy. The blood of Jesus is stronger than a generational curse. The blood of Jesus Hold hands with your neighbor and begin to bless them right now. Begin to pray for your neighbor right, right now. Right now in the name of Jesus. We pray over every family. In the name, begin to pray for your neighbor's family. We pray that every curse be broken. Every place of, every place of contention. Every place of strength. It leaves every family right now. In the name of Jesus. Devil, get out of our family. Get out of our marriages. Every curse be gone. In the, are you praying? Are you praying? Are you praying? Are you praying?
lunacy. Spirits of infirmity. They leave your family even now. Spirits of divorce and strife. God, we call them out by the root. We will fight for the family. tuning in today with Fellowship Church. We pray that you were blessed by the message, and we would like to connect with you through our website, fellowshipws.org, or facebook.com slash at the fellowship. If you are ever in the greater triad area, we would love for you to be our VIP for weekend worship experience on Sundays at 1030 a.m. On behalf of Pastor Tony and the Fellowship family, thank you again for joining us. And remember to love God, love people, and impact the world.